The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks for tuning in and joining us again. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. I appreciate uh, the people that do listen, whether it's live or on podcast, and I appreciate a lot of the positive feedback we get here on Winning Ponies. Uh, it's really been a, a great ride, and uh, you know I'm going to ride this train till they throw me off, in the words of one scootin' boot, uh, Perry Oots, uh, which, by the way, I have to give a tip of the cap uh, to Perry Oots. I believe that you folks have heard me talk about Perry before. He doesn't leave the... Uh, uh, Northern Kentucky, Southern Ohio circuit very much, <clears throat> but during his career, he has racked up an unbelievable amount of winners. Uh, let's see if I can find my notes. Um, he's won 33 titles at River Downs of Belterra Park, uh, 13 at, at Beulah Park, and, uh, as of the first race on Saturday, passed Mario Pino and became the ninth leading rider in the history of racing. Uh, Perry's just a, a, a truly amazing guy. Uh, there's uh, been at least two occasions where uh, doctors have told him he'll he'll never ride again. Uh, there were two spots in his career where he took almost a year off, but uh there's no keeping a tough man down. I think I once told you the story. Uh, Perry came. He uh, worked a couple horses out at River Downs. And he lives in Hebron, which is about, oh, I'll say 15, 20 miles away. And he was going back to t take a shower and catch a breakfast. And as he got up on the highway, some car came across two lanes. Perry's on a motorcycle now, okay? Luckily, he had his leather chaps on and a helmet. And this horse comes and wipes him out, sends him flying across the highway. Luckily, nobody ran him over. He did end up on the shoulder, uh, got up, saw that his bike was totaled, called his agent for a ride, went home, took a shower, came back, and won both ends of the daily double. <laughs> Perry is 63 years old, and he just won the riding title at Belterra Park by 51 mounts. I talked to him the other night. He says uh, he's he's hoping about four more years he'd like to ride. Um, he does believe he can catch uh, Edgar Prado, who's about 80 wins in front of him. He thinks that uh, Edgar may, uh, when he gets to 7,000, call it quits. That's a nice number uh, to be the eighth leading rider in the world. Uh, but uh, Perry feels if he keeps riding, he can eventually pass Edgar. So uh, Edgar Prado is the only leading rider that's that's still competing in front of Perry Utes. Other than that, uh, Perry uh, is second behind Russell Bays in the amount of horses that he has ever ridden. Forget the exact number, but it's over 48 thousands. So congratulations to Perry Utes for becoming the ninth leading rider in the history of thoroughbred racing. Well, our guest on the show today, I've got one first-time starter and one Wiley veteran. First-time starter is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Todd Beckett. 
It's funny how you meet people and you hit it off right away. Well, I met uh, Dr. Beckett over the weekend. He's the president of the Ohio Veterinarian Association. Of course, uh, Ed Meyer and I handicapped the Best of Ohio card for you last week, and we did real good except for one race that we thought was our best bet of the day. I'll get to that later. But uh, So Dr. Todd Beckett's going to tell us he, he won the, the first race, $150,000 Dan Galbraith Memorial, and uh, it was the biggest win of his career. But uh, uh, the, the the name of the horse was Mishap, and the Mishap has been a mishap since the day he was born. I'm not going to tell the story. I'm going to let uh, Dr. Todd Beckett tell you. Um, so uh, uh, anyhow, he's he's going to be our first guest right out of the blocks. I know he's uh, taking a little hiatus in the Hocking Hills area, so he's going to call in to us. And then at, at the bottom, we've got Frank Angst formerly of the Thoroughbred Times, and now with the Blood Horse. As you know, Frank is based in Kentucky, and uh, we've got uh, several races from Keeneland we're going to look at. And then I'm going to go a little out of his comfort zone, go to Charlestown. They got the $350,000 West Virginia Breeders Classic, and one of the top all-time West Virginia breads will be in their charitable annuity who could be beatable i'll be interested in getting frank's feedback on that i was surprised to see this horse sent away morning line at nine to five we're also going to go to belmont park the futurity it's been a great race for many years but uh, not a very big field only six going to post in there um several of them coming out of maiden races an interesting horse owned and bred by Wesley Ward, uh, made its last two starts in England. And then uh, hopefully we'll get to the QE2, the Queen Elizabeth at Keeneland. That is the 34th running. It's a grade one, half a million dollars on the line. Okay, those are our guests. That's the setup. Now let's talk about Keeneland a little bit. We had a good day today here at Winning Ponies. That's right. Uh, we had a $1 Super 5 box that paid $1,584 and another $1 Super 5 key that paid $1,355. Now, Keeneland's still going to race for a little while, so pull down your uh, easy win forms. We had two other good hits there, too. Uh, it was uh, four days ago. No, actually, it was six days ago. Uh, we had a 50 cent super high five that paid 3971 And then five days ago, had a 50 cent super five that paid 1799 So we are mowing them down in the bluegrass. Go to winningponies.com. Well, this isn't any big surprise, but it's a headline nonetheless. Arrogate set to retire after the Breeders' Cup. Now, uh, he did uh, work a bullet just two days ago there, five furlongs in a minute and one-fifth at Santa Anita Park. So uh, Baffert says he's training forwardly, wanted to give him that space. You know, he's won the Travers by 13 and a half lengths in track record time in a stakes debut. Uh, then the Breeders' Cup Classic over California Chrome. Uh, the first ever Pegasus World Invitational Stakes by four and three quarter lengths. And the Dubai World Cup. Can't do much better than that, but his last couple races, he has not won. It'll be uh, very interesting still. Baffert says that's the greatest horse I've ever run. So he was a runner-up in the TVG Pacific Classic at fourth for those people that made the big show bets at the TVG San Diego Handicap. So uh, we're going to see, but uh, 
Airgate uh, is going to be retired uh, after uh, the Breeders' Cup, and he's going to be going to Judd Mart Farms. It'll be interesting to see where they put his stud fee. Speaking of studs, remember Gormley? Well, he's already been retired. He's going to go to Spendthrift Farm, stay very active and have a large stallion rank. And so they stand Malibu Moon. That's probably their top stallion. And he's Gormley's the only son of Malibu Moon to win a grade one as a two-year-old. So he has been retired, and he is going to Spendthrift Farm. Uh, just a little reminder, he won the 2006 Front Runner Stakes. That was a grade one when he was the two-year-old. Then he won the Santa Anita Derby earlier this year. He was one of my, my, my derby horses for sure. But for from four wins, he's got over one million dollars in earnings, not two. So again, the uh, AP Indy line continues uh, through Malibu Moon and his son Gormley. Looks like he's a stand for a very fair twelve thousand five hundred dollars. So. Uh, It'll be very interesting. I think he'll get an awful good book because they also have the Share the Upside program, and uh, which gives people a chance to breed uh, two mares, and then you get to breed them for the rest of his life. So uh, <clears throat> that's Gormley. Claiborne Farm, we know that they have mastery. They're finally announced that his stud fee will be $25,000 at Claiborne. Of course, he's a... Three-year-old son of Candy Ride, and I'm big on the Candy Rides. If you listen to this show, uh, you know this. So uh, $25,000, uh, Claiborne announced that stud fees will remain unchanged for Warfront, quarter million dollars. Run Happy, $25,000. And they're going to wait until after the Breeders' Cup to give you the price on the rest of their stallions. And the factor, well, he's going to stand in Japan just for one year. He's going to be retired. Leaving Lane's End one year, and then he's coming back to Lane's End. Okay, so much good racing last week. Let's get right to it. Of course, uh, it was Fall Stars, All Stars at Keeneland. It kicked off with the Grade 2 Woodford Stakes, and the winner in there was Buchero. You may remember about two months ago, I had the head of Iron Horse Racing on as a guest. Buchero, 26 to 1, takes the Woodford. Then we went on to Turf Club of America, grade 2. It's a six furlong sprint. Winner in there, the horse I liked, Finley's Lucky Charm, won by a length and three quarters. Following that race, we did have the grade 1 first lady, and winning in there, who's on the front end most of the way, was Zipsetta. Zipsetta, another surprise at 16 to 1. That wasn't going to be an easy <laughs> uh, pick five uh, wager, would it be? And uh, then from uh, that race, we went to the Breeders' Futurity. It was one of my favorite races. And uh, Free Drop Billy, our friend Marty McGee, picked this one, won by four lengths. Uh, came out of close calls in the Sanford and the Hopeford at Saratoga. Free Drop Billy gets the Claiborne Breeders Futurity. And then it was the grade one Shadwell Turf Mile. And the winner in there was the French bread, if you enjoy that, Sudoy. Daniel Tudhope came in from France to ride the horse from seventh to first at 10 to one. Of course, uh, we had some big races in New York last week. Uh, the grade one 
Champagne Stakes. Some greats have won this one. And with the winner in here, they did get a, a big field for uh, these uh, two-year-olds, which is good to see. From the outside, it was Firenz Fire, a Jason service trainee who came out of the Sanford and the Hopeful. So we do know that those were very strong races. And uh, uh, Firenz Fire was sent away at 11 to 1. I don't think this horse is going to have a problem with distance. Rallied from 10th to 1st and held on by a half a length over Good Magic, who was in front of Enticed. And then... Uh, we, um, we move forward wire to wire in the Jockey Club Gold Cup. It was Diversify. I read Ortiz in the saddle for Richard Violet, who's been a guest with us before. He is a New York bred. So what's the value of this horse? Well, he's a gelding, so he won't be going to stud. But look out, New York breds. If Diversify can win the grade one Jockey Club Gold Cup, you are in trouble. Finishing second was the favorite, Keen Ice. And in the third spot was the lightly raced Pavel uh, from the Doug O'Neill barn. This horse, uh, after breaking its maiden in Santa Anita, came into Saratoga, ran a fourth in the Jim Dandy, and then easily won the Smarty Jones at Parks Racing. So that was a look at uh, the races we handicapped outside of the races at the Best of Ohio. Of course, we're going to talk a lot about mishap with uh, uh, Team Beckett, and uh, Dr. Todd Beckett is, is going to be with us. Uh, we also had a, a Windstar horse win on the Ohio program, partnered up with Blazing Meadows. That was Awaken, uh, a horse that uh, both Ed and I liked a lot. Biggest upset of the day, Rivers Run Deep. He had won the Best of Ohio Sprint three times and got fanned out on the turn by moves like Ali, who was last seen in Belmont's Futurity back in 2016. He was on the lead, decided to go outside of him. Bad move. He bore out. When he bore out, uh, it was a time to move inside with Hi-Ho de Sheltui. Uh, then we had a nice uh, Luch stable horse, Maya's Queen Niti, come back after a tightener win by five. And... Uh, in the uh, endurance, once again, two years in a row, Mo don't know. Congratulations to Ron Paolucci, who's been a guest with us here on Winning Ponies. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we come back. We're going to be talking to a guy that's hiking out there in Hocking Hills, Dr. Todd Beckett. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, I told you at the top of the program that we were going to have the president of the Ohio Veterinarian Association on uh, with us. I got to meet him for the first time this weekend and got to meet him under the best of circumstances because he was standing in the winner's circle uh, after winning a $150,000 race with a two-year-old filly named Mishap, uh, who was making her third career start. She made it an easy winning one with Dean Sarvis in the saddle, going from flag fall to that's all. She's trained by Kellen Gorder, but she's bred by Beckett Racing Team and owned by Beckett Racing Team. And uh, I found out a very interesting story about how she got her name and how she came into the world. Dr. Todd Beckett, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hey, John, it's great to be with you. Uh, she's an exciting story. We, uh, uh, In reflection, uh, it's just been a whirlwind. She's an early birthday present for me. And, you know, it, it just made me think about you don't realize how many horses people have to touch a horse life to get them to that race and how many people are part of her victory today. And then how she's touched so many people's lives and the friends we've made and the journey we've had. Um, I, and also, I think you've had to have a couple losses, which we have, to really appreciate a, ra- a race and a victory in the John Galbraith. It was a huge day. You, you, you know, doctor, I spend the better part of my life trying to explain to people how many people lay hands on a horse. <laughs> they look out there, you know, there's the, the casual race goer sees, you know, Bob Baffert and a sheik and they go in a circle and they win a race and the horse walks away. And they have no idea that from from the inception, from the stud barn to the care of the mare, uh, to the foaling procedure, to the growing up in a field, to the racing, breaking, the farm hands, the hay man, uh, the leather crafters, the veterinarians, uh, the, the trainers, the breaking process, and then getting it on the main track. I mean, like I said, there's hundreds of hands, and you alluded to that, uh, that go into uh, the making of a racehorse. But your hands with mishap on what was <laughs> yeah, perhaps yeah, the on most cold mild February winter. 21st, I'm at, the, I'm at the veterinary conference, and of course I'm an officer and I had to be present, and one of my doctors, Dr. Andrea Jensen, uh, she 
it's kind of like having the owner there looking after her because she's a very passionate horse person that does small animals. And she called me up and said, I think this mare is going to go tonight. So I said, okay. So I called my wife, and, and it was cold. I mean, really cold. And then um, I had a friend named Brent Bishop. He had a back injury, and, and Brent used to wanted to ride polo horse. He couldn't ride. And I said, Brent, something special. You want to come along? So I brought Brent along. So we got out there. I walked into the barn. Normally a horse's feet are coming down in the heads between. I walked in. She was waving at the ceiling. And we had a live feed for our friends to watch the thing. And I said, well, this isn't good because a lot of times they come upside down. They don't make it. So I said, first of all, we're turning the camera off, call Ohio State. And it's so cold. I mean, it's going to take them 25 minutes to get there and put the coveralls on. And I said, by that time, it might be too late for this filly. So I, I actually put my coveralls on and got in there. And it took she was a big chested filly. So we had to push her back in, turn her around, which took me to about 10 or 15 minutes. And I haven't done this for 10 years. And, of course, there's a little pressure on. But the, the Lord was kind to us. And uh, finally, after about 25 minutes, we, we got her out and delivered her. And she bre- was breathing. And we were all freezing to death. And we were trying to get blankets and heaters and get this poor little thing warmed up i i think you know again in the mildest of winters in ohio it was like 11 below zero that day oh yeah there were people leaving the veterinary conference because they were concerned it was a, a terrible cold day and, and the top of it was you know a filly needs to nurse within six hours to get passive immunity or you know they they can die and this poor little girl because she came the wrong way her little knees were buckled over so bad she couldn't stand to nurse we had to sit her on our laps and put her underneath her mom to nurse and then wow. uh, to get her to nurse and then after all of that we couldn't get the weather was so cold um we had to put little splints on her her legs that were bent to get her to stand up um, we had to alternate from leg to leg, and you know uh, it's so funny. Everyone was that was there was so concerned about her. And my dad, who's been a veterinarian for thirty years, told me, "Oh, she'll be fine." <laughs> it's well, easy for him to say, but he was right. Well, you know, uh, all I could say is, you know, you know, uh, I, I just spoke earlier about the uh, continuation of the AP Indy line. Uh, they just mm-hmm. retired uh, Gormley, who's the winningest son of Malibu Moon, back to Spendthrift to maybe uh, be the heir to the throne there. Uh, so, but th- this horse is by AP Warrior, uh, but out of a mare bred in Chile. So that had to make you think uh, after those first two sprints that uh, y- you might have had a router on your hand. But before I get ahead of her first start. Mm-hmm. Because of the, the deformity, for lack of a better word, that you say, were you worried at birth that this horse was even going to be able to run around the paddock as a yearling? For the first two weeks, yeah, absolutely. There's a fear, is she going to be okay? And all my friends come out, she's going to be okay? And, you know, um, after she get her through the first two weeks and the weather broke and we get her out there in the weather to stretch her legs, I felt pretty good about it. So, you know, and going back, you know, um, I bought her mother, Miss Carrera, um, because I was a friend of a horse called a fan of a horse called Ouija Board. Um, the damn side um, was by Welsh Pageant, as was Ouija Board side. And then you know Miss Carrera has a half sister was champion older mare named Gourmet Girl. Um, and we have also had a couple other fillies. We've not done this is our first Ohio bred venture. Um, she just had a, a graded stakes and a, and a horse named Diaz Dancer that we bred at, at Darby Dan and was born there that just hit a hundred thousand with stakes place. Um, so the Ohio bred program in this and in the, in the, that was. By, that horse, by the way, Stevie Wonderboy was by um, uh, was an AP Indy. So I, I had confidence that the AP Indy cross, the three quarter brother to Bernardini, was going to cross great with these English old roots of Ouija board. Well, obviously it has, uh, but uh, it, it, it looks like she's got a, a great future ahead of her. I mean, uh, I, I watched as uh, Tango run, uh, struggled under Rich Stokes, you know, trying because she was such a great speedster. I'd already won a couple of stakes races, uh, but Dean just let your horse uh, mishap get well within herself, and it, it looked to me like it was really never in doubt. Yeah, I think they rated her, you know, 
she had a couple bullet works in Kentucky, and uh, you know when I saw her have a couple as an Ohio bred, have a couple bullet works. What's interesting to hear from Dean, he had worked her, and he's almost breezed her every time. He didn't realize to end of June she was an Ohio bred. When he found his, uh, Kellen Gorder, my trainer, who is a dear friend of mine, and I've been with for a decade, uh, when when he, Dean found out she was an Ohio bred, he said he lit up like a Christmas tree. So that was pretty <laughs> exciting. Well, uh, tell me, so are you saying that this, while you're an Ohio-based, uh, you know, Ohio uh, president of the Veterinarian Association, this is your first Ohio bread? Yes, it is. It is. You know, and I, I'm going to be quite honest with you. In 2005, when my wife and I daughter started this, and, and we drove by Beulah Park, and I started the breeding industry, I, I drove by and I said, if I have a horse racing in Ohio in 2005, um, then I have failed as a breeder. So what was exciting about Yesterday was a culmination about, one, I was wrong, two, what our state and what the casinos and what the people that love Ohio racing has done for our state. And to, to breed a horse in Ohio, to come back and see how it's impacted my colleagues as veterinarians, the horsemen in the state of Ohio, uh, what's happened in the state of Ohio and what that's happened. Although there was controversy in bringing the casinos on board, I think it's been phenomenal for not only horse racing, the veterinary profession, but I think for my friends and colleagues that have got to be a part of a horse like this. And I'm sure there's other people that will get to experience it as well. It's really neat. And of course, one of the most renowned veterinarian schools is right there in Columbus, uh, Ohio State University. Are, are you a Buckeye? I am a Buckeye. The Dean College, Rustin Moore, is an equate, great uh, equestrian doctor, equine doctor, and he and I were classmates, and the, the college is doing great. We're thriving. And, you know, I know we're going to run out of time in a minute, and I, if I could add this, you know, you talk about horses and relation special things. Um, Nine days before she won this race, I lost a dear friend. His name was John Blanda. He's the only guy I know that's seen the movie Seabiscuit more times than me. And John went, <laughs> we went to races. We watched it on the Internet together. And my dream was for John to be in a win picture. He was CFO Patel. And I said, John, we want to be in a win picture. I really believe this filly. And his wife called me up the Friday before and said, Todd, your dream's not going to happen. The day mishap won, um, he was the brother, by the way, of the great George Blanda the kicker for the Oakland Raiders, and John in wow. himself was an exceptional basketball player, national collegiate, national champion, and John couldn't be there. And the day mishap won, um, they were spreading John's ashes with his brothers back in Pennsylvania. So for some reason, I think John gave that Philly wings and brought her home, and, and it was a sentimental victory. You know, we talk about all the connections and the passion that's in horse racing. Those are the stories, and, and that's what made that cold night. And John Blanda came out, that minus 11, him and Emily, his wife, came out to see that new bit. She was still wet, and they got there at 1 o'clock in the morning to see her. It, it, it's wow. pretty neat, and uh, um, I honor that man. He's a great guy, and, and that's that's what this sport's about, you know. I don't think people recognize that. You know, Dr. Todd Beckett, uh, your your enthusiasm comes through loud and clear over the, over the airways. I, I'm just praying that while she's your only Ohio bred, she won't be your last. No, we got we got two. We got a dialed in that's going. There's a great trainer that broke our filly named Dale Mallory. Uh, Kellen Gorder is a, an exquisite horseman. He's an old cowboy. I go back to my cowboy roots. I was raised University of Finley. I trained horses to put myself through vet school, quarter horses, reigning horse, horses. My son's a uh, horse trainer and rides reigning horses at a place called Extra. And uh, I hope that this is just the start. Uh, we got a great, um, geez, Indy Wind, a great Ohio stallion, one of the nicest colts I've had in a long time. Miss Maristone, all great fillies. I got a great one. He's, got, he's almost got identical Marcus Secretariat. So we've got a lot in the, in the channel that we're pretty doggone excited about.
I've seen Indy Wendy's at Poplar Creek in Bethel, and uh, yeah. that, that farm is doing very well. And I think that that horse, again, the AP Indy line, is going to shake it up. But in this case, you've got an accredited bred. For people that don't know, if you breed to a, an Ohio stallion, there's a whole separate category of races. You're eligible for all the regular Ohio bred races, but also about 40% of our stakes races in Ohio are for accredited breads. So, uh, Todd, I think you've got a little leg up there. We, well, we also, you know, and the other thing, I give kudos to Rob, you know, Rob Murphy is one of the first few class at the University of Finley. My dad started when he started the pre-vet equestrian study programs, and I grew up on the farm, and Robin used to ride cutting horses, and I rode reining horses, and to see her helping support the industry and bring these great stallions to Ohio, Robin uh, has been a great sustainer and a great shot in the arm for our breeding program, so kudos to her. Yeah, she's she's excellent. She's on the board of directors of the Ohio Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners. As a matter of fact, I talked to her today on the phone, and I didn't know that you guys had a, a personal connection. Yeah, it's a, it's a small world, isn't it? Yes, it is. I wouldn't want to paint it, but it is a small world. <laughs> well, um, uh, basically, I've, I've got about two, two minutes left. Um, okay. You mentioned the University of Finley, probably not familiar to a, a whole lot of people uh, nationwide, uh, but uh, it, it's a very known well uh, known equestrian facility in the Midwest, and I understand that your father had a huge influence on that program. Yeah, I, I grew up on the farm. It used to be Dale Wilkinson. You know, I, I joke that all the quarter horse people, all, all my mentors are in the legends books in the quarter horse. Dale Wilkinson started it, and he was a client of my father's, an equine vet, and he's the only guy to ever win the, the AQHA reigning and cutting fraternity. And then his son, Rick Weaver, and Clark Bradley, and a guy named Bill Horn, those were all the guys that taught me horses, and they were great horsemen, and I've never felt that the thoroughbred a quarter horse, there are certain fundamentals in horses that you need to apply in my equine roots have carried over into the thoroughbred industry. And of course, D. Wayne Lucas started the quarter horse business. So I think there's a lot of carryover there. And we started, uh, Finley now is the number one ranked pre-vet uh, curriculum uh, for undergraduate in the country. And the kids get hands-on experience with horses, etc. It's got a equestrian studies program. And so I grew up on the farm there. And, and it was a great, a great um, thing for me as a kid. And, and it, my passion has carried over. Even though I'm a small animal veterinarian, I did do equine for a while. And now horses are my hobby. And, and uh, it's great to help see this grow and, and create. And there's great opportunities for jobs for these kids graduating thoroughbred industry that these cowboys can, can, can help train these thoroughbreds, give them better jobs. And the big thing, too, we're very involved with the aftercare. We support with our horses, we're going to get them a job. They're going to either going to be on an equestrian team for a collegiate student, a high school student. We're working with a group in Delaware, Cowboys for Healing. They're helping with, with kids with, uh, with autism, with drug addictions, to help give them opportunities to interact with horses and change their lives. And horses do that every day, and we see that in veterinary medicine. And, and I think that people that want to put down our industry don't realize the proactive things that the people in the horse industry, Thoroughbred, are doing to help children and other these horses have second careers. I think it's very well, important. One of my favorite quotes, there's nothing better for the inside of a man than the outside of a horse. We've been talking with Dr. Todd Beckett. Dr. Beckett, I hope it's not the last time we cross paths, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, as well as mishap and perhaps some of uh, her half-siblings uh, come along, I'm going to see you in the winner's circle again. Well, I hope. We're, we're looking for the rags to riches. Uh, the the two-year-old premiere day, um, we're going to shoot for that, and we'll see what unfolds and whether we belong there or not, but we're hoping that she's ready for it. All right. Hope to see you at the awards banquet at Darby Dan Farm uh, early next year. Thank you, John. All right. We've been talking with Dr. Todd Beckett, president of the Ohio Veterinarian Association. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to be talking to my friend Frank Angst. we got races all over, and I want to get him to chime in on some of those Breeders' Cup prep. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Mm-hmm. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the Easy Win Form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a uh, gentleman I've got to know over the years. I consider him a friend outside of being an excellent columnist and handicapper. He, I think I met him first when he was with the Thoroughbred Times, and now, of course, he's over at the Blood Horse where he performs many duties. Um, and so with no further ado, Frank Angst, how are you? Very good. How are you doing, John? I'm doing good. You know, it's an exciting time of the year for us. You know, I always, I I get pumped at the spring meet, you know, Keeneland and stuff because we're coming up to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Then I usually get pumped around Saratoga time just because they have such, you know, outstanding races. Um, And and now is like kind of the trimester, you know, this is, uh, you know, getting ready for for, for the Breeders' Cup races. But uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, I'm going to ask you about, about some of the preps, but we spoke briefly a few days ago, and it is interesting that in some of these races that could be star-studded preps, that we're seeing horses like Gunrunner and Arrogate deciding to take the training route. Uh, w- w- what's your yeah. read on that philosophy? Well, it just—I mean—it just seems like the game continues to move that way at the at the big race level, and uh, it's hard to knock it uh, because trainers like Bob Baffert have had success with it. He's won Breeders' Cup Classics with that approach in recent years, so you can't really can't really knock it. But uh, as a fan, you should you like to see the top horses race and. Uh, the last two weekends, obviously, were the last two big prep weekends for Breeders' Cup, and there were so many big races. And to not see a gun runner out there, to not see an arrogant out there, that's it's tough. But uh, I mean, these horses have have raced at an older age, so that's terrific. Uh, they've seen some horses, top horses, retire after their three-year-old season, so it's 
it's great they've been back, but and if you want to, if there is a perfect world, you would have liked to see them race. But uh, they, their trainers have know know the horses best and know how to get the best effort out of them, and uh, they've had success uh, with that those methods before. Frank, I might be throwing you a curveball here. I just uh, been a very busy week with the Best of Ohio recaps and everything. Um, what have you heard about the condition, if you have it all, about IRAP? I am not up to speed on on his condition. I apologize. I was, no, I haven't uh, seen much of Trent either. Do what? Yeah. yeah. There really hasn't been much. I mean, I, I, I go through, all, you know, all, all your basic uh, equine websites, uh, you know, as much as I can during the day. And uh, I just haven't seen anything pop up on him. And I, I hope that's not bad news. I hope he's just uh, recuperating and there's there's nothing to say because I just I became a fan because I got to watch him run live uh uh, both in the, the Bluegrass, the Ohio Derby, and the Indiana Derby. And, uh, yeah. you know, he was so, uh, just seemed like a horse with so much upside. It was just a, a shame to hear that uh, he had to have surgery. And obviously, I pray that everything goes okay. Yeah, you just never know um, because he's a half brother to, to Spitestown, you know? So, yeah, there's I mean, summer, uh, summer, summer derbies, as I like to call them. They really add a lot of excitement, and uh, people throughout the country get to go out live to their tracks and see some of these three-year-olds, at least, in the classics. And I think it's been a really, really good development the last few years. Well, I mean, these races have been around for a while, but uh, there's so much emphasis on the Triple Crown, and people get the resources. So then when they, they come out to a Prairie Meadows or a Thistle Down, it's just a, it's, that's a very good thing for racing, and I'm glad that... Uh, you see horses like Irap and Durbin out there. Uh, it's a great thing. Well, you know, I'm drawing a blank right now, but there was a horse that uh, Woody Stevens had back in the day, and he decided to go that route. And I think he won something like five derbies with the horse, but it was like, you know, uh, the Illinois Derby, the Ohio Derby. Uh, like I said, the, the name eludes me right now, but it was it was brilliant. Because Woody just dodged all all the big guys, and yeah. uh, and made a ton of money with this horse, uh, winning in like what you just said the the summer derbies. Yeah, if you're willing to ship around on those tracks, there's so much opportunity, uh, so much money. Some some of that money's come in uh, from alternative gaming, and and that's boosted those purses. And those tracks have decided to make that commitment to the three year old division, and it's understandable because people, like I said, that. That Triple Crown puts so much focus on these horses that people instantly become familiar with these horses, and, and they'll turn out to watch them on those on those big days at the local tracks. Uh, this is driving me crazy. <laughs> the name <laughs> of this horse, it, 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 it'll come to me so, sooner or later. You know, probably as soon as we the hang up. Horse names out of the air is not my strength, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I admire a guy like Steve Haskin that can just. <laughs> Pulled pull some horse out that ran 40 years ago and it knows it instantly, but boy, I'm hitting this. If I don't get it right away, it won't come to me. <laughs> No, it always comes to me, but it's after I'm in the car driving at home, and it's like, oh, yeah, that was the horse Woody Stevens had. Well, um, you know, c- coming up, you know, we've got, to, you know, this is when things get a little thin uh, on the graded race thing. I'd have to say, you know, the main ones are there. I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm guessing all the winning your ends are over. Yeah, they uh, ended Wednesday with the Justin and the team went 
So, yeah, they are all wrapped up. Those are all set. All right. Let's see. Now, the uh, the, the Jessamine uh, went to uh, a more than ready filly by the name of Rushing Fall. Am I correct about that? Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, be interesting to see if she if she makes it. I I know in this day and age, trainers think that's too close to a race. But back in the old days, heck, they'd run them two weeks out before a big race. Uh, things exactly. things have have changed without a doubt. Well, uh, yeah. of, you know, of the races of the horses that did race this, this past weekend, uh, the horses that I, that I was most impressed with was Roy H in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship Stakes and Heavenly Love and the Darley Alcibiades. Um, well, there's been some debate about the final time at, at Santa Anita. The good news is, if you like Roy H, either either way, it was a very strong race, very nice time either way. And uh, I I really like the, how this horse is coming into this time of year. He's won his last two at, at Santa Anita. Uh, he went in the Del Mar race with Bing Crosby, I think it was. He he didn't win that one, but I think he. I, I liked what the singer Peter Miller said, that he was too far back. I, I think that was legit. And it wasn't like the horse was way back, but he seems, seems to be at his best when he's up there and engaged. And uh, I don't think that would be a problem in Breeders' Cup Day. I, I, I see it as, uh, at this point, as a two-horse race between Roy H. and Dreyfong. So uh, that's, that's, the sprint's always so exciting because it's, uh, there's not much margin of error there. You really have to come out and run a, a pretty much a spotless race most of the time to win that one. Uh, absolutely. Now, uh, of course, it'll be uh, a two-day event. Uh, by any chance, uh, are you going to be covered from your chair in Kentucky, or will you be going out there? Yeah, I'm heading out there on the uh, Tuesday before, so yeah, I'll be out there. We'll have a full crew out from Blood Horse out there and have all the races covered. It's uh, definitely one of our biggest weeks of the year for the website and the magazine and our uh, Daily newsletter as well. Frank, it just came to me. Smartin. Back in the late seventies. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I told you, I didn't even have to get in the car and drive home. Smartin was the Woody <laughs> Stevens horse, and he just dodged everybody, went to the Ohio Derby, the Illinois Derby, I don't know what other Derby, and so he let all the other big horses blow blow their wad on the big races, and he ended up winning a half a million dollars back in the day when that was a whole lot of money uh, with Smartin. Right. Uh, I'm so glad that came to me, so uh, my dementia has not kicked in yet. Uh <laughs> But uh, let's, uh, you know, I, I asked you to look at a couple of races, probably too many of them. Um, looks like I got a couple minutes here. Uh, did you pull down the uh, futurity from Belmont? Uh, I did not. Sorry. I looked you did at not. Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Elizabeth, the Queen one. Um, I, uh, in terms of last week's races in, in Alcibiades, I should say real quick, I, I heavenly love. I thought ran a very disciplined race, just fell right in, right into a position off the pace, and then just made that big move in the turn. Um, I just really liked that she looked like a, or she raced beyond her years, and just I think that running style will play well at Del Mar, and she seems to be improving, and uh, I think that, I think that's a very uh, nice horse to look at going in the Breeders' Cup for sure. Well, it, lo- it looked like uh, Keen Ice who some people are calling a one-hit wonder, uh, was going to punch his ticket in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, but instead it was that New York bred Diversify 
Going went going. wire to wire. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of reminded me of Hainesville, the year that Blaine couldn't catch him. Uh, maybe that's a good omen for Keen Ice, because Blaine, of course, came bounce right back and beat Zunyata in one of the classic races of all time in that, in that year's Breeders' Cup Classic at Churchill now. I was there on the finish line. It was uh, uh, mixed emotion, shall I say. It was a fantastic race for blame. But, you know, in, in about another 20 yards, I think Zenyatta gets it. Uh, it. It was tough. And even those guys in accepting the award after were almost apologetic about beating Zenyatta, you know. Uh, but anyhow, in that uh, Belmont Futurity, sad to say, it's only a, a, a six-horse race. And uh, and the interesting one in there, a guy I know you know, uh, Wesley Ward, has a Wesley Ward bred in there that made his last two starts in England in the grade two Queen Mary where it ran second and the grade two Bet Lowther stakes where it ran six yeah. but it was only beaten three lengths and this is a horse that you I know you saw in person back in April uh, at Keeneland uh, that just won going away by four lengths uh, and yeah, breaking she, its she mate. Won that, she won that debut on the dirt and then uh, showed her class by running second in the Queen Mary at the Royal Ascot on, on the turf and now she comes back on the dirt, and she certainly looks good in her debut on the dirt, and she is, has worked well toward this race as well. And, you know, Wesley knows his horses. Uh, she's always raced uh, in blinkers. He's taken the blinkers off. I'm guessing those last uh, several works at Keeneland were probably with the blinkers off, and he saw something he liked. I just I respect Wesley Ward so much, uh, certainly with his golden hand with two-year-olds uh but boy he's just moved his game to a whole level if you turn the clock back about eight years uh when he was taking seventy five hundred dollar horses and winning all those two-year-old races at keeneland and now he's got the backing of some huge stables michael Tabor and his partners for one of them so uh yeah i kind of like happy like a fool just because he's the mystery horse in here the rest of them pretty uh lightly raced or uh they you know uh, didn't do well when they did run in graded company. Um, sad to say the Arlington Washington Futurity's not graded anymore. Uh, I'm glad to see the winner of that horse come uh, race coming in. Uh, but anyhow, that's the, that's the Futurity. I don't have my manual with me, but I know some big horses have won this race over the year. Well, Frank, let's take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll cover the QE2 and perhaps another race. We're talking with Frank Angst from the Blood Horse. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me from the Blood Horse is Frank Angst. And Frank, it's been a while since I kind of asked you for some biographical background. Uh, can you kind of, you know, ramp our listeners up to uh, your past, uh, you know, where you grew up and, and how you got involved in thoroughbred racing? Sure, I grew up in Cincinnati, uh First track I went to was Turfway Park, and in short order, quickly after that, the second one was River Downs. So kind of the, the definitely the two closest tracks to in the Cincinnati area, and then Keeneland's right down the road in Lexington, and Churchill Downs is right down the road in Louisville. I think sometimes people don't realize that Cincinnati is definitely a hotbed for horse racing. There's so many of us involved, uh, run across so many people from Cincinnati in the industry, and Anytime you look at the regional ratings for any major horse race, Cincinnati's typically in the in the top ten markets for those TV ratings. And of course, some of that crosses over into Northern Kentucky, which we all know how horse crazy Kentucky is. But it it definitely spreads into into Cincinnati for sure, as, as you're well aware. I, I, I am well aware, and uh, it's interesting you say that because I always do that study, uh, particularly after like the Breeders' Cup and uh, most importantly the Kentucky Derby. And what stands yeah. out to me is in the top five, I'll say I'll stretch it to six, you always mm-hmm. have Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. You wouldn't yeah. think that that many people from yeah. Dayton, though the southwest portion of the state probably has uh, the best uh, part of the breeding industry. Uh, I'm yeah. sure I'll probably get a lot of people mad at me for saying that. But, you know, legendary, you know, they had Woodburn Farm. that was kind of like the Claiborne Farm of Ohio. But it's crazy that all of a sudden you see, like, uh, Cincinnati, Dayton, and then you'll see, like, Columbus. And I try to show yeah. this to the people in the state and going, do you realize how much interest there is in racing in this section of the country? It's crazy that we've got three cities in this little state that are, you know, in the top seven for viewing the, the Triple Crown and Breeders' Cup. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, obviously there's just, well, newspapers are just, have completely changed over the years. and. I know River Downs had some success with some of the. I remember some of the local channels would at least show like the, the stretch run of the featured race, so, so that was good. But uh, it's always been hard to get that the, the media that's not you know specifically horse racing media to cover us. And boy, I just wish uh, they understood the numbers that are out there. There are a lot of fans out there, and they're, they're definitely in regional pockets throughout the country. And uh, 
anyway, I know you continue to work on that front. So that's what that's what we all need to do and develop fans and Blood Horse is a site that welcomes everybody from it from everywhere in the country. So that's a good thing as well. So you can just attack it from that angle and, and know that Blood Horse will be covering everything. I, I worked at Thoroughbred Times for about a dozen years, and uh, when they closed up shop, I was very fortunate to kind of move just across town to, to the Blood Horse, and, and it's worked out well. And I just uh, I covered uh, college football, college basketball for a few years, but I just always uh, had a love for horse racing and, and had a love as a rider for horse racing. I just think there's so many interesting stories uh, to attach to every horse, uh, the horse themselves, the owner, the trainer, the jockey. So it's to me, it's just an endlessly fascinating sport. Well, it's it's a great one to write about, and I, and I will tell you this, Frank. One of my favorite pictures was a early morning shot I took uh, watching the Kentucky Derby workouts, and uh, side by side was you and Tom Law, one of my f- other favorite guys in the game. <laughs> Tom's in Lexington this week, and yeah, I, I'm familiar with that picture. I still have it. It's that was really I really appreciated that you took that one, and Tom's been a good friend over the years, obviously, and uh, yeah, it's a great shot. Well, it says a lot about the talent pool of what was the Thoroughbred Times in that so many people, you know, you, uh, uh, Tom, Joe Nevels, uh, and I could go on and on, uh, uh, you know, Z, the photographer, uh, all landed yeah. on their feet in the industry, which just, uh, you know, talks about the talent level that was at the Thoroughbred Times. We're all over the place, and, uh, you know, the, well, it was a bad day for Joe Morris today, but he's a former publisher, and he was running the Santa Anita, and I'm sure he'll land on his scene again today. He, was, uh, he resigned, is my understanding. But, uh, yeah, I mean, people from Thoroughbred Times have ended up all over the place in, in good spots in general. So, so that's great. Well, speaking of good spots, a good spot will be at 5.30 on Saturday watching the races at Keeneland. It's the Queen Elizabeth Two QE2 Challenge Cup presented by Lane's End. We're going a mile and eighth. On the turf, a uh, true test for three-year-old fillies, uh, you know, going a mile and eight. Some of them are stretching out for the first time. An interesting cast of characters. Frank, the one that draws my eye the most is, and I'm going to screw this name up totally, is Wuheda. Uh, this horse coming in, uh, it's a British bred uh, that's been racing either in England or France or Germany its entire life but when you look you know you know the class and quality there and the size of the fields 14 and 16 horse fields um this horse has been banging heads with some quality horses big fields and comes in to try the grass at Keeneland at a mile and an eighth I mean there's some other horses in there I'm I'm in Kenny McPeak's corner with daddy's little darling I feel so bad for him for losing 10 city last week and also uh, La Coronel who uh, has never been beaten on the turf at Keeneland Um, those are the three that rise to the top for me what's your read and that's uh, I mean La Coronel has definitely run so well in Kentucky Seemed to tail off just a little bit in the summer, but maybe she now maybe now that she's back in Kentucky, she renews the magic. She's knocked heads a couple times with Uni. Uh, Uni's has also raced against the horses I like. It's Cocker's Wedge, uh, nine to two morning line line shot. And to me, this this is a filly. This is a horse that um, I feel like. I always feel like there's these horses that, that continue to prove themselves on the racetrack, or in this case, the turf. 
And for whatever reason, they still they keep going off at a nice price. And a lot of times I think it's because it's not a Chad Brown or a Todd Fletcher. But Brandon Walsh is a terrific trainer. He's already shown that he can win with this Billy. And she has a tremendous closing kick. And it's something to see. And she displayed it twice at Saratoga. And I just feel like she's an improving Billy and just uh, very talented. And I, I think she's already proven that she can beat uh, at least the, the top U.S. three-year-olds. <laughs> you throw in that there's always that wrinkle in these top turf races of the European horses. And I totally respect your, your call on that one. But uh, I think Fox's Ledge will show up on Saturday. I do see where La Coronel has uh, defeated Proctor's Ledge uh, twice. Uh, La Coronel coming out of a real close call at a mile and eighth in the Sands Point at Belmont. Um, I noticed that uh, in this race, there is no Florent Giroux. Is he out of town? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of where he might be riding, but yeah, maybe it just eluded him for this race. Well, we'll find out, but either way, uh, Jose Lescano can handle his horse. He's the one that just got beat a neck in the Sands Point. Uh, he got stuck a little bit on the inside, uh, but he was in hand most of the race, so we'll find out. But La Coronel, uh, two for two at Keeneland. Uh, and, uh, you know, as you know, that's always a, a plus. Uh, we've been talking with Frank Angst from the Blood Horse. Frank, thanks so much for joining us. I always like talking to you, and I uh, hope to get my butt down there in the press box before the meet's over. Sounds great, John. I hope to see you. Okay. Well, uh, that was uh, Frank Angst uh, with some great insights on the Breeders' Cup and the different ways horses are coming up to the race and some of the top preps uh, going into the Breeders' Cup. Also want to thank uh, Dr. Todd Beckett. A uh, very interesting story uh, about uh, uh, Mishap, who uh, had no mishaps in that $150,000 uh, Galbraith Memorial. I thank him very much. I want to remind you folks that winningponies.com, the easy win forms are smoking the Keeneland meet. We've still got a few days left, so uh, come on over to our website and check it out. You can uh, put some greens in your jeans. I want to thank our producer, Matt Widener, and all of you listeners, most of all. Remember, if you enjoyed the show, tell a friend about it because we're on podcast. You can pull us down anytime. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you come to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.